0: Grab your Bibles with me and turn to the New Testament letter of Ephesians. Continue in this important passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Taking it piece by piece and week by week to take a very thorough and needed look at God's design for marriage. Now, this is for all of us as marriage surrounds us all around. Um, Even if you're not married, maybe one day will be, or surrounded by brothers and sisters that you're encouraging and walking with in marriage. Uh, Even for you young ones, this is important to hear and understand, um, growing in God's good purpose and design for these things. I want to read our passage in its entirety and move into our next section of emphasis in this study. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33 and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In this important section of Ephesians 5 we see clearly God's purpose for marriage. And that purpose is to portray the marriage that Christ has with his bride, the church. And the roles of both the husband and the wife and how they are to live to be lived out according to God's word are a critical part of testifying that gospel. Story. Here we see in this passage that husbands are compared to Christ and wives are compared to the church. Husbands are compared to the head and wives are compared to the body. Husbands are commanded to provide and lead as Christ provided and led, and wives are commanded to submit and support as the church is to submit and support the headship of Christ. It is critical that we see God's good design. That the roles of the husband and the wife are rooted in the distinctive roles of Christ and the church. We only tell an honest testimony about Christ and the church when we, the husband and the wife, joyfully and humbly commit to fulfill the roles given to us by God. Instead of living out the roles as we desire them to be lived out, or in a way that seems to work best, in our homes. Let's once again look to the Word of Truth Catechism. For a simple definition, the question is, what roles did God ordain for men and women within the family? The answer is, God has ordained the role of the husband to lovingly lead his wife and family. God has ordained the role of the wife to joyfully submit to her husband's leadership as his helper. As we study God's Holy Word, we see God's good and clear design The husband's primary role is leader, provider, and protector. The wife's primary role is helper and domestic manager and nurturer. The theological term that we derive from Scripture to give title to the role that God has given to the design for the husband is the title headship. And as we turn to the role of the wife today, the theological term that we derive from Scripture to give title to the role that God has designed for the wife is helpmate. I'm thankful for much of the feedback that I've received from you over the last few weeks as we focused on the role of the husband. We really slowed down to be diligent to really study God's Word and dive in, and dive in deep that we would not play light with these things, but we'd long to really embrace them. Uh, to grow and mature in these things. And so I'm thankful for uh, many of you who have commented on that journey for you and um, uh, continue to pray for you men. Wives, as we turn towards your role, I'm um, equally praying for you and, and hopeful that you come ready to to dive into understanding God's good design and all the ways that it might challenge your your upbringing or, or even the state of your home or your own preferences, that if you belong to Christ, you long to know Him and His good word for you and live out your days for His glory and according to His purposes. And I long to just execute Scripture well today and, and the next time we're together and pray that it is good and helpful for you. The role of helpmate. In this, we see the wife is created and commissioned by God to help and to follow the lead of the husband, who is the head of the home. Just as I gave headship a working definition over the last two weeks, I want to do that today for the definition of helpmate. Helpmate is the divine calling of a wife, the God-given call of a wife, for church-like submission to her husband's headship. And for the primary responsibility of helping her husband, stewardship of the home, and nurturing of the children. As we dig into God's Word, we're going to climb into this definition of helpmate in its different layers. Um, And I'm excited about what God's Word gives us to help us work through this, not only here in Ephesians, but throughout uh, Scripture. And uh, I'm hopeful that what God's plan for us is plain, and we can grab hold of it and begin to honor Him in these ways, in the new ways He longs for us to do that, according to His plan. Right out of the gate, as we look to our text, Paul emphasizes that submission is a major component of the wife's role in marriage. Look with me. Ephesians 5, 22-24. Wives... of following a husband's authority and the commitment to respectfully trust and yield to his leadership. That's submission. Let me read that again. Submission is the desire and the action of following a husband's authority and the commitment to respectfully trust and yield to his leadership. To understand God's good design for this, we need to once again go back to the creation account and look at what God set in place, when He created us, when He created marriage, and defined it and purposed it, sent it forth, when He called it very good. What did He call very good? Let's look together. Very beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. To get right to it, then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Here we see that the role as helper is given to the wife. It is important, church, that you see just how fundamental the role as helper is to the creation of the woman. The woman is created You exist, wife, to be a helper. That was what Adam needed. That's what God put in place for you to live out that role. See with me that it is so central to her very existence that a major reason why she is created is to be a helper and a companion for Adam. I think many people are quick to embrace the fact that God said it was not good for man to be alone. And so the plurality of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creates plurality in man, in mankind. And out of Adam forms woman, forms Eve. Creates marriage and gives it its purpose and its framework and sends it forth to do its work. Wives, do you see the importance of your companionship, your presence, your friendship, your intimacy, and what that is to your husband in all the ways that it fuels true companionship in your marriage? If you are distant, if you are negative, if you are distracted, if you are not interested in your husband, then if you lack true intimacy as God's design for marriage, you will not be the companion that God designed you to be for him. You will be something else. In other words, you can't just be a faithful roommate, a great mom to the kids, a helper to your husband in a way whereby he is still alone from true companionship. There is a true oneness that is your aim in your days that God gives you in your marriage until death do you part. That said, God didn't just make the wife so the husband would have a companion, but must we must see more specifically that God made Eve from Adam so that the husband would have a helpmate. In this, we see the very purpose of the wife. We see why God created the role of the wife and why He ordained that those of you who are wives are to be your husband's helpmate. This means that one of the most core purposes of God Almighty He's given for you for every day that you're married. Every day that God ordains you wake up and oxygen pulls through your body and and He gives you the ability for your brain to work and to move your parts and to go about that day. One of the primary purposes the Lord woke you that day is to help your husband. You must see how high on the list Of the Creator's ordaining your life, that is. You don't get to pull it down on the list. and Get to it as you want to, or when you get to. It is high. It is high, high, high on the list of why God gave you today. It's important we climb into this, ladies. When you think of all the things you need to do in a day, you must think with top priority the ways that you are helping or blessing your husband. This is a purpose that moves you out of bed, that moves you unto your morning, unto your day, into your night. There are many ways we'll see today for how this is to play out. But at its core, its very roots, do you see this as an absolute priority for why you were even created? And married, to help your husband, to assist him. This is God, in this, God has given you the important role of loving, helpful, faithful assistant. You are the assistant to his leadership, the leadership he is called to live out. Your job is not to lead, sisters, your job is to assist. To help. To follow. This is God's good design. And we're going to see it over and over again in Holy Scripture. One of the places in Scripture where we see Paul make this point with strong and direct words is 1 Corinthians eleven, eight, 8 and 9. Paul says very directly, For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. You were created for man. Do you see Paul's emphasis here? Because it's super fundamental and foundational for you having a right view of your God-given role in your marriage, wives. Every day that God gives you, that He ordains you live, you wake up, is a day where He says to you, I gave you today... So that you can commit yourself, prioritize yourself, to helping your husband. So when you decide then to not do this, you are warring against one of the most primary reasons why God even ordained you to live that day. Understand very clearly, you're not helping your husband when you decide to do it your way. When you stop to complain or to argue, you honor God when you help Him do what He's asking you to do and the way He's asking you to do it. Just as I called out the husbands in weeks past about the accountability they will have before God as to how they are leading and how they led in their lifetime. So I ask you, wives, if the owner of the company... God Himself brings you in to evaluate your performance, to hold you accountable according to the job description He has given you according to His Word. How are you doing at helping, at assisting your husband? Which means you are not pressing for a seat at the leading table. That's His role. Imagine the owner of the company sitting with you as an assistant, and your testimony is, I constantly need to have a say. I constantly need to be in the deciding room with with the bosses. No, that's not your role as an assistant. Your role is to hear the direction of the leader and to help carry it out. Every longing in you that wants to sit at that table is a longing to do the opposite of what God has called you to do as a wife. cannot be fighting for your own way or dragging your feet to implement what he's asked you to do. What he's asked the family to do in his leading. Sisters, you need to take this so serious. This is how you are accountable before God. You are accountable to him, the almighty God. How serious and how given are you to your God-given role as me. What is your testimony in this to your husband, to your, to your children, or, or those who live with you in the home? Hear me clearly today. Marriage, and therefore our roles, are God's to define. Not you, it's not the culture, not your upbringing. Your God-given role doesn't change if you don't feel like doing it. It doesn't change if you want to do something else or you wish He would help you instead. Your assignment from your general, the Lord above, that He gave you, is to help your husband. Therefore, God better not find you hanging out in the mess hall, right? Instead of tending to your assigned post. Sisters, see the authority... And the command of God for you to embrace the role that he's given you. And that you, every day, wake up to do it well. It's a critical layer of what Paul is emphasizing here in our Ephesians passage. The husband's role is to lead, to decide, to plan. And the wife's role is to follow, to help that plan play out. To help that decision, the decision of the husband, to be carried out. The clear word that Paul uses to define this is not gray. It's clear. Wives are to submit. I pray that if you belong to God, that you see that this is His good and perfect will for you. The problem is in our sinful, secular culture, feminism would argue that any form of submissiveness is a compromise to one's self-worth. The belief is, if I submit to others, I'll be taken advantage of, or I will be of lesser value. Ladies, never allow the world to tell you that submission is weak or second class. That is a manipulation of the devil. God's word is clear that your value and your dignity is the same as the man. When you declare that submission makes you of lesser value, you're declaring something that Scripture does not. So don't think that way. Your positional authority underneath your husband doesn't make you second class. It is only your sinful flesh or the words of an ungodly agenda of our world that would convince you otherwise. I'm going to say it again, because this is the deception that you must do business with. Anyone who tells you, or anytime you believe that because He leads and you follow, that you are of lesser value, that is a lie. Why? Because it is not what God's Word says, and God's Word is true. Amen? Amen? if if your feelings or your ego can't tolerate the idea of not having a seat at the table then your issue hear me is not with your husband it's not even with me it's with god it's with his design god's design is good his design is that the husband leads and that the wife follows Paul makes it clear here in Ephesians that when you do this, you're, you're modeling the submission the church is to have for Christ. This is the story you're telling. This is your part of the narrative that you are to do well. To usurp that is to lie about the church's role under the authority of Christ. This is where we as Christians need to grab hold of the bigger purpose of marriage. It's bigger than the pragmatics of the day. We are doing that ultimate purpose that He intends it to do. Sister, the culture doesn't dictate your value. Your feelings do not dictate your value. God does. And his words say that you are equal to man in value and dignity. At the same time, you are designed and called by God to be joyfully submissive to your husband. I pray this is your heart and your marriage. that You did not draw the short stick by being created female. See your role as the perfect fit for you because of God's design and sovereign work in your life. Sisters, if you need an example of God-honoring submission, look no further than Jesus Himself. No one modeled faithful submission better than the Son of God. He did it with perfection. Jesus Christ, who submitted Himself in the flesh to the will of the Father, unto a menial life, He didn't fight for His life to look a certain way in the temporary. He submitted Himself to a menial life. He submitted Himself to death on a criminal's cross for which He did not deserve. You feel like sometimes what you're going through you don't deserve? See Christ's submission to the Father's will in the midst of a menial life to do things He did not deserve is the ultimate testimony of other centered love that Christ would save us from our sin for God's glory and our good. Jesus who is God, who is more valuable than anything in creation models for us in his life and death that your role, even if that role is hard and full of it is to be full of humble submission. And this is God-honoring. It is good. And it does not lessen your value. To say that the role of submission means you are of lesser value is to say that Christ, in all of His incarnation and submission, is of lesser value. And that is simply not true. So, what is it in a woman, then, that causes her to war against God's good design for her given role of helping and submitting to her husband? The answer is sinful selfishness. It is in sinful selfishness that causes a husband to lead poorly and a wife to submit poorly. We're helped to see that God was up front to warn Eve and all women that would follow her in sin what the consequence of the fall would be. Genesis 3.16 says this, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. God's emphasis here is that you will sinfully look to overtake or even devour your husband in your sin. This is your sin at work. See with me that it is the very opposite of what you're created to do as his helpmate. It is the opposite of what you're called to do in emulating the church for joyful submission to Christ, which complements and helps his headship. If you let your flesh go to work, sisters, you will submit poorly. You will submit lazily, frustratingly, or altogether look too many times to take over the leadership role that God has given to him. Sadly, history has done nothing but prove these sinful tendencies to be true, which is why we are desperate for Christ, for new birth, for His Word to lead us, the Spirit to move in us, to under a God-honoring way of living out our God-given roles. Wife, soon-to-be wife, Women who hope to one day be a wife. All sin is serious. But the sin of selfishness that causes you to not find joy in your God-given role, to help submit to and respect your head, is one that makes war with the very central priority that God has given for your life as a wife. I pray you long to do serious business with this. This is not on the margins. This is not sin that that is out on the periphery. This is in the center. This is as serious as it gets. I pray you would do the work night and day to be accountable, to confess your sin, to aim to truly kill sin, power of Jesus. Confess it, drag it into the light. Your victory is in your humility. It's in your confession. It's in your brokenness to let Christ then lead you forward under God-honoring practices. Sisters, I pray that you see how primary this role is in your life. Before you were called by God to be a faithful mother to your children, you were called to be a faithful helpmate to your husband. This is not a ministry that you have the liberty to say, Uh, Maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. This is why the wife was created. It's the primary testimony and practice that God calls you to as a wife. Did you hear that, ladies? The primary call on you as a wife. So you must be careful not to think, I know I'm struggling here, but... I'm doing really good over here and over here and over here. Sisters, see the centrality, the primary nature of your being created to to this task and your aim to do it well. Not kind of well, not growingly well, but every day I wake up, this is top of my list as a wife. I do not settle to just do good in other ways. My aim is to do this very well for my husband's good and for God's glory. There is no doubt that this is a major emphasis in scripture for you as a wife. And there's so many places in scripture that speak to this, not only here in our Ephesians 5:22 through 24 opening of this passage, but at its close in verse 33 it says, "However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects" Her husband. Also in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul simply says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And also in 1 Corinthians eleven three, 3, I want you to understand the head of every man is Christ, the head of every wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. All that said, if this role of submission, of helpmate, is so central, is that central? If submission is that important to your role as a wife, then what does it look like? What is the God-honoring demeanor or adorning of the helpmate, according to Scripture, as a godly wife looks to live this out? And there are three specific markers that God's Word gives throughout multiple passages defining the role of the wife. And they are, these markers are that you are gentle and quiet and submissive. Let's look at these. They're important to understanding and living out this role. To look at this, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 11-14 to begin. Again, hear the... Hear the directness here. There's nothing gray about what is about to be said, according to God's Word. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, and then Eve... Adam was not deceived, but woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Paul points here to the fall of the problems that arise when we do not honor God's good design in our marriage roles. This is his point here. The first failed door that Adam and Eve walked through unto the fall in sin was to dishonor God's design for the husband to lead. See with me that Adam let Eve be the one to interact with the tempter. He was standing right there. But she moves to the front. She leads. She interacts with the enemy. She represents them, engages the enemy, and allows the temptation to do its work. This is Adam's failure to lead. This is the open door to his home. Paul's point is that the transgression, the sin that the first family chose came through the deception of Eve. And this happened because Adam surrendered his role as leader to her. Church, see the depth of this warning here. It's very much about our roles. Paul's call for the wife to be quiet and to be submissive is not demeaning But it is a call for us to trust God's good plan and design. Even when we think there's a better way for it to work. Even if the wife is more educated, is more well-spoken, is more whatever, we do not put aside God's good design for the roles of the husband and the wife. We must understand that the roles we take on in marriage have nothing to do with pragmatics. They have everything to do with God's assignment. If you, if you have come into a place where you're justifying, pursuing, maybe maybe mutually pursuing a mix of the roles in your home due to pragmatics, due to education, due to other gift mixes, you are making war with the assignment God has given you as the husband and the wife. They do not ebb and flow with skill set or with convenience. They are a very important God design that we are to trust and live out according to His command. Or we prove to not be faithful. We prove, if we deny it, to not walk by faith, but to walk by sight. This is not okay, Christian. I know a lot of women struggle with Paul's commendation here that a woman is to be quiet. If this is you, hear me clearly right here. Please understand, your feelings about what Paul says here that cause you to not like it, those feelings are not okay. Why? Because it stands against God's clear design that the husband is to lead and the wife is to be quiet and joyfully help and follow. This is not cultural. This is not traditional. This is biblical. It is the fundamental way the wife is to help and follow instead of speak and lead. Look with me again. 1 Timothy 2, through 12 Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Why is the practice of quietness key here in Paul's instruction? Because the sinful tendency to speak up or to chime in is the overstepping that often equals climbing into the leading role. Ladies, I pray that you see how much you need the Holy Spirit to help you see this passage, not as a bad thing, Or this verse is a verse in the Bible you have to put up with. That view is a sinful, degrading way to think about or talk about the Almighty God's holy word for you. Repent of that attitude and the fleshly view that comes with it. And embrace the very good design of God that Paul's holding up here. This is how you honor God in all that He puts before you, sisters. Now, let me highlight here what Paul is not saying. Paul is not saying that the wife or the woman in the church do not speak or share or encourage or mourn or practice to one another's or sing out loud to God or pray or make disciples. He's not saying you walk around like zombies and none of the women can ever speak. That's not what this is saying. You are a vital and important part of the family of God and of your household. What Paul is holding up is that you remain quiet when it is time for your husband to lead. You don't devour him. You don't even flirt with putting off your wall and trying to climb into a share of his. Instead, you follow and you help and you submit your being quiet in this is a way to help you not live out sin but to do what God's calling you to do. If you belong to Christ, you will make war with your flesh that longs to do this different. When it's time for you to come behind your husband with support and help, you will do it And you will do it without delay. You will do it well. This is not the time to speak up, to desire that things go a different way. It's not the time to step in front of Him or take charge. It's not the time to drag your feet or make excuses for why you won't go His way. It's not time to fight for your way or even for your voice to be heard. Again, hear the Lord's Word. It is a time to be quiet so that He can lead well and so that you're set up to follow well. You honor God by trusting Him, by trusting your husband to lead. Hear me say this very importantly. You honor God by trusting your husband to lead. You honor God when you do this even when your husband's not good at leading. Why? Why do you honor God to trust Him and follow His lead when He's not good at leading? Because that's what God told you to do. Didn't tell you to recreate it, rewire it if it's not going too well. Gave you an assignment and you were to be faithful with that. His lead, leading is God's assignment for him. It's not God's assignment for you. So let me say it again, because some of you might be tempted to get stuck here. What happens if your husband is not good at planning? He's not good at leading. He's not good at directing. What happens if your husband is a terrible leader? He's really bad at it. He's untrained. He, I mean, we could go further. What happens if your husband all he knows is selfishness in his leading? Does that mean you finally get to take over? Finally, you get to take the wheel and get this thing on its track? God's word speaks to this. We don't even have to conjecture. We don't even have to guess. Turn with me to First Peter chapter three. Look with me at the opening verses of this chapter. First Peter three, one and two. Maybe you've had a view of this text. Cause you to do away with it, say it doesn't apply to you, hear the general equity of what's being taught here, see God's good design with me. First Peter, chapter three, 1 Peter 3, 1-2 and two. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Did you hear it? Peter says, even if your husband is not a believer, in other words, all he knows is selfishness. Selfless love isn't even in his heart. His motivation in everything he does is not to the glory of God. He's dead in sin. God has not broken his prideful neck yet with saving grace. Even then, you are to still live out your God-given role, which is to be quiet. Or as he says here, they are to be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Let me be very clear. Your submission should never follow your husband into sin. If what he's saying, let's do this, or we're going to do this as a family, or you're going to do this for me, and that's sinful... You are not to follow your husband into sin. Why? Because there's an authority over your husband that says otherwise. You are to obey God. You are to honor God and not to sin. There will be times in a Christian marriage where the most submissive wife, with good reason, will hesitate at a husband's decision and seek accountability or counsel. This needs to be done respectfully and prayerfully. In the end... You are to ultimately honor God and therefore you should not follow your husband into sinful things. That said, Peter's point here that your faithfulness to God's design, your faithfulness to submission, your faithfulness to helping His leadership, your quiet demeanor that is to produce a testimony of God-honoring conduct that can bear fruit if God so chooses it to do. Now, you might say, but my husband is a believer in Jesus, so this doesn't apply to me, right? No. The call to be quiet and submission is the same. The difference is when your believing husband is in sin, he will be held accountable by the means of Christian accountability in the word. Okay? Those of you who are married to an unbelieving husband who should not follow your husband into sin but obey the commands of God have a whole other layer of contention to deal with in your home. Because he does not have the means of Christian accountability and submissiveness to the word. But see with me, it still doesn't change God's call in your role. He doesn't say climb out of your role and fix it. Only in the ways that you honor, hit God's command, and do not sin is where we go to work in that way. But again, I would argue that that comes with great counsel and carefulness, prayer. Don't miss the point Peter is making here, church. When your husband is a lame leader, you are still called by God to be quiet and fulfill your role as he designed it well. What you don't get to do is kick and scream and take over. Instead, Peter says, your quiet, respectful, and pure conduct will be a blessing and a God-honoring testimony. One that He may ordain to use under the salvation of your husband or the growth of your husband. You want to see your husband grow? Practice your role really well. You want to see your husband struggle? Kick and scream and fight for your own way all the time. Do what honors God. Trust His vehicle is best. Sisters, is this your true longing? Is this driving you as you wake up in the morning to put this on? Is this your win of your day? Your goal for how you go about your day? Is it your priority to be be excellent in being quiet, in being respectful, and in being pure, which is to be holy, In how you conduct yourself. This means you're fighting your flesh. You're fighting your feelings, your emotions, your preferences, and even your human logic. Church, see with me how much our lost and sinful society does not like this. It does not match the agenda of the world. The only thing that causes us to call what God calls good bad is our flesh. Our sinful and selfish flesh. Church, let it always, Let us always remember that God's Word is good and good for us. Consider with me the, what Peter says next to the call of the wife as it relates to submission. 1 Peter 3, 3-4. through four, He continues, he says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is in God's sight is very precious. The adorning of a wife that honors God and her husband is not vain in beauty or in dress. It's not external coverings of clothes and makeup and and unique styles to your hair. Those are external. No, it's, it's, it's the internal. It's who you are in Christ. It's a gentle and quiet spirit. Wives, are you known for having a gentle and quiet spirit when it comes to your husband? Hear me say this clearly. Peter is not talking about your personality here. He's not saying you can't have a personality that's outgoing or engaging. He's saying that when it comes to respecting the authority of your headship, that you have a gentle and quiet spirit. Why? Because this is the demeanor, the engagement that honors His role to lead. Ladies, when you exercise your desire to speak up, understand that's not quiet. Ladies, when you press your agenda Understand that's not gentle. Your role is not to tell him where to go. Your role is to help him and to follow him. Let me illustrate this this way Have you ever tried to lead a group of people, or a team, or a class, or even just an individual who is guilty of talking when they should be listening? or who is guilty of disagreeing with you as you're trying to lead them, and is guilty of trying to insert their own agenda. This is quite maddening, is it not? Teachers, coaches, all of you who have been in these roles, even just in the harangue of children, even just in a relationship, you're trying to walk with someone else that you're close to. See why this matters, ladies, day in and day out it's not a good rapport if you're that person in the class or in this relationship every other day or even a few times a week that's still enough to cause him to pull his hair out this is a daily practice that you must embrace a gentle and quiet spirit now peter is not done look with me at verse five and six 1 Peter 3, 5 and 6 For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Holy women hope in God. Sister, where is your hope? A hope in God is a central foundation for the godly life of a wife. If her hope is in her husband, if her hope is in herself, her skills, her beauty, her reputation, she will be let down and unsettled. It will feel like building your house on the sand. Some of you who feel like your house is on the sand see that that is very directly linked to the fact that your hope is in your husband, yourself, or your circumstances and not in God. Wives, hear me today. It's not just enough to say Jesus is my rock. You must wake up every day and put yourself on, root yourself in Jesus christ alone you cannot say you have jesus and trust in jesus and hope in jesus but then cling to your beauty to your money to your circumstances to your husband or to your children a wife's center line must be fixed on god her rock bed must be jesus christ How does a wife keep her center fixed in hoping in God? We must practice consistently preaching the truth into our hearts in a way the psalmist did. Psalm 42, 5 and 6. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Peter uses Sarah as his example of a wife who hoped in God. In Hebrews 11, you might recall, is the Faith Hall of Fame. And um, in verse 1, uh, faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for. And then in verse 11, Sarah is given as an example among other godly men and women who had great faith. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past her age, since she conceived, considered him faithful, who had promised. In other words, Sarah's faith was built on a rock bed of hoping in God, despite the bleak circumstances. She was way too old to have kids. She looked away from herself, away from her barrenness, away from her circumstances, and grounded herself in trusting in God. Ladies, are you lost in the abyss of bleak circumstances? Have you said to yourself lately, it will never change. It will never get better. My husband will never change. Are you running out of gas? You are running out of gas, not because of those circumstances, but because your hope is in those circumstances and not in God. Stop looking to blame everything else but see that your lack of hope in God is your issue. When you're grounded in Him you will not be lost at sea. We have faithful example after faithful example of people being picked apart, being falsely imprisoned, their families being brutally killed in front of them and their faith remains. Their hope is in God consider Sarah in the fact that um, she hoped in God trusted in His perfect plan and this is the weight of what Peter is saying here her ability to hope in God was not a momentary thing it was a lasting practice a foundation for her life now was Sarah perfect in this? no if you know the testament of Sarah she totally fell on her face a couple different times but in the truth of God, she climbed back. She put her feet back on the rock and went back to it. I mean, she even laughed. <laughs> she laughed and did not believe God's promise. At the fact that as an old lady, she would have a child. But then God rebuked her for her laughter and unbelief. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Hear that today, sisters. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. The next thing we hear from Sarah is a word of exultation to God when Isaac is born. So we can learn from this example that wives who hope in God are women who look away from their troubles and misery and obstacles of life that can make the future look bleak. And they focus their attention on the sovereign power and love of God who rules in heaven. And, and does on earth what pleases Him for His glory. They trust in God to fulfill God's perfect plan, not theirs. Sister, is this you? Is it God you have truly trusted with your life? and The way your days go or don't go? Or do you have another agenda that you feel you must accomplish and therefore, I pr- and therefore prove to walk by sight and not by faith? True hope in God trumps bleak circumstances. It trumps a difficult or unbelieving husband. It trumps a difficult or misbehaving husband unbelieving child it trumps financial crisis loss of good health or youthful energy a God grounded woman is not dismayed or undone by these events no her hope and endurance is in God who reigns over all things amen understand true hope in God drives out sinful fear the second part of 1 Peter 3.6 shows us what hope in God looks like and the stresses and threats of real life. Peter says, You are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. The children of Sarah, those who hope in God, experience what it is to have fear driven away. Women who have Christ as the foundation of their lives and live in faith are like daughters of Sarah. You are her children. The daughters of Sarah fight the anxiety that rises in their hearts. They wage war on fear and defeat it with the promises of God. They make war with emotions that threaten to unravel them by clinging to God. His Word and the family given to them in Christ. They are His daughters, plural, meaning you are not alone, sisters. Don't go at it alone. To go at this alone is to throw off one of the great, sweet provisions of what it means to be involved and known and accountable in the local church. You call on each other and you say, Help rally with me. Keep me centered on Jesus. Help me keep my hope in God. They know that following Christ will mean suffering. But they believe the promises of God's Word, like 1 Peter 3.14. Even if you do suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts reverence Christ as Lord. Make it personal for you today. How do you handle setbacks? How do you handle the disappointments? The scary medical results? How do you handle the injustices, the heartaches, tiredness, calamities? the painful happenings of this life. Godly women stand on the sovereign rule of God over their hardship and walk by faith and not by sight. They rest their souls on the firm and omnipotent hand of God, their Creator, Savior, and Lord. They cast their fear out and they hope in God. And in this, they proved to be daughters of Sarah, and heirs according to God's perfect promises. Moms, you want your daughters to be daughters of Sarah? And you have to fulfill this role that God has given you and do it well. You don't get to tack on to the back end of this passage without living out the front end of it. To to do so differently is to tell a different story. It's to teach your daughters to be daughters of something else. God's promise is eternal life. Redemption. A renewed heart, restored relationship with the King of Kings. The joy we find in Christ is not a joy rooted in our circumstances but rather a joy rooted in humble submission to God's perfect will. Just as I pressed the man in previous sermons that his sacrificial leading, providing, and protecting cannot be based on your performance, the same is for your role. We follow Christ who loved and provided and protected us despite our utter faithfulness to him our unfaithfulness to Him. Wives, you follow the church, which is to submit to the head in all things, despite how He's doing. You honor God in this. This is the story you're commissioned to tell. This is the testimony God's given you to put out there for your own home, your own children, and for those that God's put in your path. I was blessed to see in my own home growing up, this lived out. If you knew my mom, you saw that she joyfully and faithfully submitted to my dad, even in many times where he led her poorly and selfishly. My my home knew very little contention from my mom putting off her role. Her faithfulness told the story to those of us who watched her. Especially how to do that when it was really hard. This is her legacy. It's her faithfulness to God and to her husband, despite how hard it might have been along the way. Wives, I pray that you see that you are not doing your children good to model for them contention with your husband. When you are convinced that your ways are better than His. You might think you are fighting for something that's better for them. But this is you usurping the model God has called you to show. I also remember the moments of my mom's flesh. When she decided to do the opposite of what dad called for. In order to appease us. Or to go in a way that she thought was better. I remember while kids, we liked it when mom would go her own way. Because it often meant we would get a treat or money or permission that we desired from a more pliable mother in those moments. But I even remember as a child... Seeing this as breakdown in my parents' marriage. The story was being twisted in those moments. And in the end, God was not honored, even though we kids might have got what we wanted. Honoring God is the most important thing in those moments. Ladies, you will not be judged for how He leads you. He will be. You will be judged for how you follow Him and help Him. You will not be judged for going left or right in ways that you thought were better choices. That will be on your husband. If the movement of the family made many bad choices along the way, that's going to be on the husband. You're not called to fix that. We must make war with our tendency to overvalue the circumstances, to count more important the way the home is going, to count it more important than our God-given assignment. The assignment is God's command on us, and therefore it must remain most important. Peek with me for one moment at Proverbs 31, the Miller Bibles, as we prepare to wrap up for today. We'll continue this the next time we're together. I just want to point out one of the final statements in this passage that points to a godly wife. Proverbs 31, verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. While a wife may be very beautiful on the outside, it is truly a right and growing fear of and devotion of the Lord that is her greatest and most blessed attribute. Sisters, no matter where you might be on this journey, I pray you recognize that the power of a godly woman's life and devotion is not found in yourself. It is found in Christ alone. Jesus is the only one who empowers good stewardship and devoted hard work unto His glory. Jesus is the only one who changes the heart to fear of the Lord and love, sacrificial love for others. Jesus is the only one who changes us from the inside out. I pray you see today that your first business is between you and God. That if you're struggling with embracing your role as helpmate, the disposition of being gentle or quiet, submissive, your issue is not with your husband. It is not with your circumstances. It's with God. No matter where you are, ladies, no matter where your wife is or daughter is, men, we point the women in our lives back to the gospel and all that Christ is for us. If we belong to Him, listen, then we will honor Him in these ways. And if we do not honor Him in these ways, then we prove to be disobedient at best, and or not belonging to Him at worst. He must change us from the inside out to be good stewards of the life He has entrusted to us for His glory and for others' good. Sisters, just like the man can't truly or faithfully lead sacrificially without Jesus at the helm of his heart and life, You will not joyfully and faithfully be submissive to your husband without Jesus at the helm of your heart and life. Christ alone is your power to change, to provide the character change that is needed for a lifetime. The holiness that comes out of a joyful, submissive woman is the hand of Christ at work in them let me remind us again that marriage is not mainly about staying in love it's about covenant keeping the main reason it's about covenant keeping is that god designed the relationship between the husband and the wife to represent the relationship of christ and the church as bride that's the deepest meaning of marriage and ultimately why the roles of headship and submission are so vital If our marriages are going to tell the truth about Christ in the church, we cannot be indifferent to the meaning of headship and and the role of helpmate. We must live it out. Never forget this, that God purposed what he purposed for the church and for the Christian wife who represents the church in her marriage. He purposed this for everlasting holy joy found in Him forevermore. Christ died so that we would have joy in Him and He would have all the glory. Amen? Pray with me. Father, I thank You for this time You've given us to study Your Word, to look diligently, humbly, humbly, your word if in any way there's a welling up of pride a welling up of excuses a welling up of blame Lord cut through it knock it down bring true humility brokenness readiness to be molded shaped and sent forth according to your good purposes to say we are honoring you, to say we're doing many good things, to say that we're setting a good example, but to put this off is to lie. Help my sisters in Christ so surrender to you who is good and holy and perfect and all these things that they would trust you, that they would honor you and one of the great joys of this day or this week or this year of 2021 would be the the humble turn unto these things that change the game and lord if the circumstances don't get better if there's a lifetime of suffering linked to these things, that we would continue to look to your Holy Word and see example after example of faithful men and women who, who did not put off doing what honored you in those things, but continue to live out the testimony of Christ in the Gospel despite their temporary circumstances in this short life. Lord, our hope is in you Our kingdom, our home is with you. Help us to embrace this wartime reality for your glory and for your purposes. Christ alone. We're thankful for you, God. We're desperate for you, God. Go to work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.